Hi, and welcome back to week two of our Spiritual Warfare Discipleship module, where we're looking at the devil. I'm John, and uh, one of the pastors here at JVC, and we're glad uh, you're with us in these videos. Again, if they're helpful, please remember to like them, subscribe to the YouTube channel, or subscribe to the podcast, share them with someone that you think uh, would be helped by these. Well, in the last video, we said that the devil's goal is to get people to buy into his lie. And whether that is through possessing people or distracting us with all of our possessions, he is happy to use any means to get us to buy into his lies. And in this video, I want to help us understand a little bit of what are those lies that Satan tries to get us to buy into. John Mark Comer summarizes the base lie behind all of Satan's lies as twofold. One, it is to seize autonomy from God, and two, it is to redefine good and evil based on the voice in our heads and the inclination of our hearts rather than trust in the loving word of God. So Satan's lies play into those desires so that we would become like God and that we could trust our own instincts for what will make us happy over trusting God's word for what will be good for us. Or to put it another way, we could say that Satan's lies are really around these three primary questions that all humans ask. Who is God? Or in a secular culture, it might be, what is most important? What is supreme? Second, who are we? And then third, how do we live? But I want to make this even more practical. What are some of the lies that Satan feeds into our minds? Again, borrowing from John Mark Comer, it can be things like this. I can't trust my wife. She'll cheat on me just like my mom cheated on my dad. Good things don't happen to me, so why even try to be successful? I can't say or do anything that will make people like me. My best days are all behind me. If anyone actually knew me, they would reject me. Now, every one of us has struggled with some, if not all, of those lies. And yet, have you ever thought that as you are kind of wrestling with those thoughts in your mind, that that is one of the primary fronts of spiritual warfare? That there's a spiritual warfare taking place in your mind right now. And the battle lines of these lies aren't ones with clearly delineated sides of good and evil, but they are lies that run through every human heart. And Satan's lies play into our disordered desires. He often doesn't come offering, you know, a free class on how to sacrifice kittens. He comes with some reasons or some more reasons why you really should divorce your wife because she's keeping you from being happy. He comes telling you that you should be able to marry anyone you want to marry because that's the only way you'll be fulfilled. He comes to remind you of all the ways you've screwed up in life. And so why would anyone ever like you? Satan's lies often nudge us towards things we're already wrestling with, towards things that we think we really need, and more subtly, away from God and his goodness and his purposes. Satan's lies often present us a picture or a mental path for how you can find happiness that doesn't involve God. He offers you solutions to the problems in your life that circumvent the suffering of this life and still promise to give you that reward in the end. Go back to those two key battles we looked at in the first week. Eve, this tree will give you something more than what you have right now. 
And don't you know God's rules aren't for your own good, but they're actually preventing you from being your best self. With Jesus, Jesus, here's a way for you to gain all the kingdoms of the world, and you'll never have to get anywhere near a cross. Perhaps we could put it this way. There is no one more excited about you being happy in this life than Satan. And he's ready with half a dozen ways for you to find that happiness a lot quicker and with a lot less suffering than if you follow God in this life. So what lies are you buying into? What deceptions are you flirting with? Where have you become so obsessed with your own happiness that you've forgotten what it's like to follow God? Where have you slowly grown distrustful that God actually has your best intentions in mind? In these places that you're wrestling with are places where Satan will will try to show you a new path that looks rather enticing and a lot easier. It's where he'll seek to gain a foothold in your heart and slowly drive a wedge between you and God. But remember, Satan is the master of deception. His natural language is lies. And that means that all of his promises and these brightly colored pictures that he's painting for you of where your life could lead, well, it's all a charade. That behind that paper of what he promises is death. Think of it, Satan told Adam and Eve that if they ate from the tree, they would gain a greater knowledge. Was he lying about that? Well, yes and no. They certainly would gain a new knowledge, but it wasn't the knowledge they were hoping for. It was a knowledge of nakedness and shame and a desire to run from God. And Satan's lies work the same way in your life, that in the end, he wasn't totally lying, but he was telling you half-truths. And when you buy into his lies, it leads to a dark, dark place that eventually leads to death. Well, I want to wrap up this video by looking at how do we combat these lies of Satan. And there are a number of passages that we could look at, but I want us to turn to one of my favorite psalms, one that I find myself going to again and again, and that is Psalm 73. And the psalm begins with the author being envious of the wicked. He's looking around in the world and and saying, why do the wicked people have such easy lives? Why do they get away with all this stuff? Why are they the ones that are successful in life? And here I am trying to struggle to do the right thing, and I'm just getting beat down. Verses 3 to 8. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives, and their bodies are healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. What is this lie that the psalmist is wrestling with? Is following God good for me? Because I look around and it seems like those folks who are just rejecting them are having the good life. Verses 9 to 12. They boast against the very heavens and their words with their and their words strut throughout the earth. And so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. What does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Here the lie is made more explicit. Is God even paying attention to anything happening down here? I mean, it seems like following God should make your life better. But these evil people are strutting about the earth asking, what does God know? I mean, look at me. 
How is God working out for you? Compare my life to yours. Doesn't seem like he's too good for you. And then in verse 13, that wrestling becomes personal. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. Is following God even worth it? And where is the spiritual warfare taking place? Well, if we were to picture the scene from the outside, we would say it's with those evil people that are succeeding. It seems like they're winning the spiritual war. And, and that is part of the spiritual war taking place in the world. But this psalm focuses it on the heart. That there is a war taking place in my heart. How will I react to the real evil that is taking place out there? Will I continue to trust God even though it will make my life harder? And then he goes on to say, I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Truly, you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant, they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. And the psalm could end right there. In fact, many psalms do. And don't forget the big picture. This is how it ends. But what I love about this psalm is it takes one more step. Then I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. This is where the hammer drops. What was one of the greatest threats in this war going on? It was not necessarily those evil people, but what was going on in my heart as I watched them. And aren't we all so good at getting so focused on other people's wrongs that we're completely oblivious to the spiritual war that is taking place in our own heart and how Satan is actually winning in there. Satan is a master of deception and it is a victory for him if he can get us so wrapped up in others' wrongs that we don't even see how our own heart is being pulled away from God. And this isn't to dismiss the evils that take place out there. Take place out there. They are real. They are evil. And God will lead those people to destruction in the end. But we cannot let those things be a distraction to what is happening inside here. And so what's the solution? Picking up in verse 23. Yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Satan is great at driving this subtle wedge between us in God, by playing to those disordered desires that often aren't bad things. Why is my life so hard? Why are they getting away with that? And I'm stuck here suffering. But he does it in such a way that he drives that wedge between those desires and God. So we start to want those things more than God. And the way to counteract that is to continue back to those words in this psalm. I desire you more than anything else on earth. Is that true of you? Or where have you allowed other desires to run rampant in your soul? 
Where have you found yourself getting so wrapped up in wanting these things and believing, in fact, if I don't have these things, I don't know if I can be happy? Those are the places that Satan is going to find a foothold into your heart and slowly pull you away from the one that you most need. And so I would encourage you this week to take some time and just write down a list of the things that your heart is wrestling with. Where is it that you are desiring other things more than God? Where is it that your mind is wrapped up so much in what other people have done or what they're getting and and it's tearing you up inside? And then to take those things before the Lord, to recognize, yes, some of these things are evil, but God will deal with it. But to realize that your heart has gotten too far sucked into it. And to lay those things down before the Lord and ask for forgiveness and ask Him to reignite that longing in your soul for Him. So that you could say with the psalmist, there is nothing that I desire more than you on this earth. Well, that's it for this week. And next week, we'll see again where we look at the world. 